Confidence is a result of discipline. So the discipline that you have is what is going to feed into that confidence because your belief in your ability to do something comes from the fact that you've actually been doing it. So if you've been putting in the work with your discipline, then you afford yourself the ability to have confidence. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Dre Baldwin, the CEO and founder of Work On Your Game. Dre invented his Work On Your Game framework as a roadmap in reverse to help professionals with mindset, strategy, accountability, and execution. In just five years, Dre went from the end of his high school team's bench to a nine-year professional basketball career. He played in eight countries, including Lithuania, Germany, Montenegro, and Slovakia. Dre Baldwin has given four TED Talks on discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and personal initiative, and has authored 33 books. He has appeared in national campaigns with Nike, Finish Line, Wendy's, Gatorade, Buick, and even Wilson Sports. Dre has published over 8,000 videos to 142,000-plus subscribers, and his content has been viewed over 100 million times. Dre's daily Work On Your Game podcast has over 2,600 episodes and more than 7 million downloads. Listen in for some great takeaways about the impact Dre's life experiences of going from the bench to pro athlete and how he now uses this to help entrepreneurs formulate the mindset, strategy, and systems to build a business. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Dre Baldwin, the CEO and founder of Work On Your Game. It's a pleasure to have you, and I'm looking forward to this conversation, Dre. Larry, I'm excited to be here, so I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah. So listen, I want to give our listeners a sense, a little bit about you. We'll talk a lot about what you're doing today, but perhaps you can give our listeners an idea of what or who Dre Baldwin is and what got you to where you are today as the CEO and founder of Work On Your Game. Sure. Just give you a two to three minute background. I come from the city of Philadelphia, now live in South Florida. I always played sports growing up. I dabbled in and tried a little bit of every sport, didn't play any sport seriously till uh, I tried a little bit of football and never really got the equipment. So I never really played football. Then baseball was mediocre at baseball at best. I would I would have been a bench player in high school. That was pretty much my ceiling. Then I moved on to basketball around age 14. I wasn't good at that either, but I stuck with it. Good thing about basketball is that you can practice a lot without any people or equipment. So you can just do it by yourself. So I just kept practicing. Finally, became adequate enough to make the high school team as a senior. I only sat the bench that one year I was on the team. So I scored two points per game as a senior in high school. And I tell people all the time, Mary, that you score two points a game in hockey or soccer, you're in the Hall of Fame. But you're doing it in basketball, you're nobody. So coming out of high school, nobody was checking for me. Nobody was expecting me to go anywhere. I went to college and tried out for the basketball team as a walk-on, which for those who don't know what that means, that means you just walk in the gym and try to basically earn your way onto the team as a unknown, uninvited guest. 
And I did that, made the basketball team, but I was only playing at the Division three level, which is the third tier of college sports, a level that doesn't produce pro players. So I played in college, got out of college. Nobody was checking me to play pro. So it was kind of the same situation all over again. My first year out of school, worked a couple regular jobs, quote unquote. I worked as a uh, assistant manager of Foot Locker. Then I worked as a salesperson at Bally Total Fitness. They are, they're now out of business, but not because of me, Larry. I sold a lot of memberships. I was a pretty good salesperson. They might be out of business because of my father-in-law, because he still has his membership through there, which is now through another gym that purchased them. I can't remember the name of it, but he pays literally $1 per year for his membership. Oh, wow. He was a police officer. They had some special deal. And he, to this day, he still pays $1 per year to be a member there, which is crazy. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We would get mad when those people came in. We would take them through the whole tour of the gym. Then they would tell us that they had some special deal. We're like, man, we can't make any commission off this guy. Right. Yeah. Get him out of here. I digress. Yeah. So worked at Valley Total Fitness. Then in the summer of 2005, this is a year removed from graduation. Give everybody a time frame. I went to this event called an exposure camp. Mary, are you familiar with those? Ever heard of them? Sure. Yeah. This is an event. Basically, is like a casting call or a job fair for athletes where you pay money to go to this event. And you basically showcase your skills. You don't just put on a suit and shake hands. You bring your sneakers and you play. And this is 200 guys who all think they're good enough to play pro ball. But at the time, we were looking for our next opportunity. So we all go there. And a bunch of coaches, agents, decision makers from the basketball world, they come to these places as destination events because that's where they look for their talent. And I paid $250 in cash at the door because I did not have a bank account or a credit card at that time at 23 years of age. And went to that camp, played pretty good. And basically got my first opportunity from there. So when I got home, and I should add this part, I went to the event, was in Orlando. We drove from Philly to Orlando, 19-hour drive, rented a car, hopped out the car Saturday morning, 9 a.m., which is the exact time the event started. Now, I could get away with that at age 23. Probably couldn't do it now. But I did that. Played pretty well over two days. Got a good scouting report, good footage. Went back to Philly because I had to be back at work on Monday. Camp was Saturday, Sunday. I had to be back at work on Monday. I had to negotiate to get those two days off, by the way. When I got back home, I started calling, cold calling basketball agents because I knew they would be the kind of the go-between for my job. It's an agent in sports. It's just like a literary or entertainment agent. They know the jobs. You're the talent. So I started cold calling agents, sent them what I had. One agent decided to represent me. He got me my first job. That was in the summer of 2005, actually around this time, about or five, six weeks before you all listened to this. That's when I got my first contract was in uh, Countess Lithuania, 2005. So that's when my career started. And a little side piece to this was I took that footage from that exposure camp because it was on this thing called a VHS tape. Where you remember those? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so this is pre-YouTube. This is before YouTube came out. So it's on a VHS tape. And I got that transferred onto a data CD. Then I put the CD in my parents' desktop computer. And YouTube had just come out by the time I got this footage. And I put it up on this brand new website called YouTube. And that's how I kind of started a second career at the same time, which I didn't know was a career until several years later. Because now we have you no know, social media, content creator, influencer. Those words weren't being used at that time. But I just kept putting up footage of me playing basketball, practicing basketball. And I built an audience before there was a thing such as building an audience. So I was building an audience on the Internet. And it wasn't until several years later, about 2009, 2010, I found myself unemployed. No job in basketball. I had played a few places, but the phone was not ringing at that time. So anybody who's worked in these fields, the entertainment space, sports space, you know, there are times where there are gaps in the schedule, right? The phone's not ringing. You don't know when that next call is coming. I was in that situation as an athlete. And that's when I decided to put a little bit more focus on this whole thing that I had going on the internet. And that's where I started creating products and creating courses and just being more intentional about putting out content consistently, because now that was starting to become 
a normal thing. Like a few years before that, that was not a normal thing. It was started to become normal. So that's where I really started to build my name was actually through YouTube, not through actually playing professional sports, which is ironic because you make a professional sports. It's like supposed to be the crowning achievement, right? Because only 1% of people get to do it, but nobody knows me from playing basketball overseas. Anybody who knows me, if they see me in the street, it's from YouTube, right? So it's just funny that it worked out that way. And that was the foundation of where Work On Your Game came from to wrap this up. I started talking about mindset a year or so later because the players just, they asked about my background. So this bit that I just shared with you, they would ask about it. I'll respond in the comments on YouTube and they would say, well, man, why'd you keep trying? How'd you get the mindset to keep going? Why'd you decide to invest your ass $250 in cash to drive to Orlando on a chance that you might make it? There was no guarantee that was going to work, right? Why did you do that? So I just started talking about mindset and that became the foundation of what I do now. So I could tell the whole rest of the story, but it'd probably take up all the time. So I'll let you ask the questions here. We'll go. Amazing stuff. I mean, you definitely had the right mindset to stick with it. And certainly a lot of perseverance in that story, doing a lot of things that most people would not do, which gets seen. And as you're telling the story, I'm thinking about like kids and athletes these days, right? They're starting with that YouTube. Some of them are even building a presence so they can get NIL deals, name, image, and likeness deals before they even get to college or pros. It's amazing how the world has changed in a relatively short period of time. Or never play at all, right? Yeah, right, right. They don't need to. So you basically went from a walk-on to a D3 to pro athlete. That's not the typical path for somebody who's going to be an athlete to go professional. So what have you found that journey has taught you along the way? Wow. So many things. And basically everything that I ever talk about is something that came from that journey. But the biggest thing is, of course, I mean, like you said, the perseverance, the stick to itiveness, the grit, the determination, the the discipline to keep trying and looking for different ways to make it work. And then also the most important, because a lot of athletes, when they found out about my background, because I mean, there are more players with my kind of background than there is a LeBron James, right? That He comes around once in a while, but most athletes have to kind of grind their way up. And there's a lot of athletes kind of in that same cluster. Only some of them are going to get out of it. So they would all ask, well, how do you get started? How do you get a chance to play overseas? How do you decide which exposure camp to go to? Or how do I know I'm going to get an opportunity coming out of it? Or now I went to an exposure camp, Jerry, what do I do next? Like a lot of people lack initiative, Larry. It's just the bottom line. Many people just have no initiative. They have the desire, or at least they claim to have the desire, but when it comes time to put some action behind that desire, a lot of people, they just won't take any action. They don't do anything. So first of all, I went to my boss and said, hey, I want to go to this exposure camp. I need to leave on Friday. I need off Saturday and Sunday. Anybody who's ever worked in retail knows nobody gets off Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I had to negotiate. First of all, I had to do that first. Then I had to save up my money because $250 was a lot of money to me at that time. Living in my parents' house, working at Bally Total Fitness. I had to save up my money. We had to rent a car. We had to drive to Orlando. We had to make sure we got there on time. This is before you had the map apps on the phone. So we're printing out MapQuest directions, right? And I'm telling the driver, look, you got to go this way. While we're driving, I'm telling them, based on the pace that we're going, you're driving too slow. Right? You need to go a little bit faster so we can make it. So all of these things. Then when the camp was over, I had to get back to Philly because I had to be back at work the next day. Because my boss was like, all right, I'm going to give you these days off. But look, I was the best salesperson at our location. So he didn't want me to miss he wanted me to go and chase my dream. Uh, he understood. But at the same time, he is a sales manager. So he's under pressure to make those sales. And anybody knows how Bally Total Fitness was working back then. Like if you had a bad month, you can get demoted. So he didn't want his best salesperson missing work. So all of these things that I had to do just to take initiative. Then when I got back home, 
I had to call agents. It's not like I got signed to a contract and everything became perfect at that moment in Orlando. I went back home. I had to still find an agent. I had to call them. They weren't calling me. Right. So all of these things that I had to do just to make the opportunity happen in the first place. And a lot of people just don't have that initiative. But the good thing for me is luckily, I guess I've always had that salesperson gene in me where it's to sell myself. I always understood that concept of selling myself. And that is probably the most valuable piece to my whole just my whole life, not even just on the court, but everything. I think that's a good point because I think many people don't realize if they're not in a direct sales role, they think, oh, I don't need to know sales, but you're always selling, whether it's yourself, whether it's what you can do for somebody else. It's a great skill set. And it seems like one that you've worked on and honed over the years. One thing I've heard you talk a lot about is self-confidence and the importance of self-confidence and believing in one's ability. And clearly from your story, that's something that you have and you had to do along the way. How can someone genuinely build self-confidence in a world where a lot of people are facing doubt, criticism from others, especially sports world, right? There are so many of you, people are all fighting for those few spots. It's tough to maintain that self-confidence and be able to work through that. So how do you recommend, how does somebody go about doing that? Number one thing is, first of all, be clear what confidence is. Confidence is just your belief in your ability to do something. So where does confidence come from? A lot of people don't consider this, but confidence is a result of discipline. So the discipline that you have is what is going to feed into that confidence because your belief in your ability to do something comes from the fact that you've actually been doing it. So if you've been putting in the work with your discipline, then you afford yourself the ability to have confidence. Now, the way that that translates in the sports world, for example, or in sales, because you can go to all the sales training in the world and have the discipline to do the practice. But then when you get an actual sales call, it's a different situation, right? So how do you get the confidence to perform when the lights are on? Because you can't always practice that. So in that, I tell people you need to borrow, just briefly, borrow the confidence of someone who's already done it. So if you are a basketball player, who's your favorite player? All right, how would they walk into the gym? What kind of energy would they have? I'm not saying try to play like LeBron or Steph Curry or Michael Jordan. It says, assume their posture, assume their energy. If you can put yourself in their mindset for a minute and still be you, then you go out there and perform based on your discipline and the work that you've done. Now you have a resume of you performing. So now you don't have to borrow from them. So you just borrow from them for a second. And now you have your own resume that you can look to. And it's not a fake it till you make it thing. It's a becoming it. You're stepping into it. You're actually being it because you can't fake it till you make it in sales. Right? You can't fake a sale. Now you can't fake the ball going in the basket. All right, when you're playing a sport, there's no faking. This is real. You have to step into it. So the answer to your question, short answer is discipline creates confidence. So it's the discipline of what is the structure that needs to be in place that you can do the work on a consistent basis? And will you show up and actually do the work, which is where many people falter? And then when it comes to performance, borrowing the energy and the posture of a person who's already done it, stepping into that space with that energy, but your ability And now you have your own resume and now you can use yourself as a kind of as a model person you can model after. So relevant to so many different things. Like you said, sports, work. If you're an entrepreneur, a parent, right? I think about my first child. The first child is like a little bit of an experiment because there's no handbook for that either, right? I think it's so applicable across the board and there's a lot of great takeaways there and having that discipline driving your confidence is hugely beneficial in so many different aspects and instances. So one of the things I heard about you is you have this nickname, Dre All Day. 
So tell me, what is that about? Where did that come from? Great question. You know, very few people ask me that. Interestingly enough, you would think everybody would ask, right? Where that came from was, so I went to college from 2000 to 2004, graduated in 04. The internet was out, right? In the nineties, but it wasn't the internet, right? And I had a computer in college, but my very, my desktop computer that I had in college was so slow that I would type in ESPN.com, hit the enter button, then I'll go take a nap. And hopefully when I woke up, the website was up. That's how slow that computer was. That's kind of computer I had at the time. Now we had computer labs. Back then you had to go to a computer lab to use the internet. People don't realize any millennials listening to this. That's how it was. So listen, I didn't even have an email in college. So that's how how far I date back. So right. What was I using? I think I had Hotmail for a second. And then you had like the college email. That's all you I had like my college email. But then when I graduated, they kicked me out because I didn't have the email anymore. So when the internet was out. And I could see that it was growing. I could see that it was expanding. And there were things you could do on the internet. And I saw that you can like make a website and you could put anything you wanted on the website and say stuff. I said to my, I always knew, Larry, that I had some ideas and some positions and ways that I thought. And I knew I had this ability to articulate. So I don't want to have a website where I could put my own information on it. I could see that around 2002. You could make your own websites because people were doing that. Remember Yahoo GeoCities? Right. So people were making their own websites. So it was like geocities.com slash whatever, Mike, whatever it was. So I said, I'm going to have my own website. I'm going to make a website called drebaldwin.com or something like that, where I could just put my information and say whatever I want to say on that website. I knew that in 2002. Now, I didn't go get a domain name till 2007. So 2007, I wanted to register a domain name. I said, I'm going to get me a website. And I figured out I had learned very rough HTML. So I knew I could make a website and I could blog on it or whatever, because I've been blogging since like 05. But I wanted to have my own website because I was blogging on blogspot.com. I don't know if they still exist, right? But then- That was my first blog too. Right, everybody so was on blogspot, right? So I didn't even know about WordPress at this time. So then I don't know if WordPress is even out. So I'm going to get the domain name and I'm trying to figure out a name. Now I knew that just calling it drebaldman.com, that it's not catchy enough. Like That's my name, but it's not catchy enough. So I just finished reading this book called Pop, P-O-P. Author's name is Sam Horn. The POP stood for Pivy, Original, and Purposeful. And the whole book is about how do you come up with names and titles for your brands and your products and stuff that will be memorable. Maybe it can rhyme. It can be alliterative. So through reading that book by Sam Horn, I was just thinking, I was just racking my brain trying to figure out how can I, what name can I use that will be that? It'll be Pivy. It kind of makes sense. It's original. It's new. And it's purposeful. It kind of gets the point across without me having to explain it. So I was just thinking, 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 just trying to figure it out because Dre Baldwin doesn't rhyme. So that wasn't going to work. Some the sounds needed to work. And I came up with Dre all day. I said, that's perfect. As soon as I came up with that, I registered that domain name and I've had it ever since. So that's where it came from. I made it up. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. I guess some of the credit to Sam Horn for instilling some of 100%. those ideas into Definitely you. Definitely the same one. Yes. I'm glad you also reinforced that we're the Midland money mindset. So That's right. I think exactly. that forms the alliterative right. portion. So you talk about 2005. I believe at that time you started giving away stuff for free and publishing stuff on YouTube, a lot of your content. What inspired you at that point to just, hey, I'm going to put this content out there. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to try to help some people. But you know what? I'm not monetizing it. I want to give it away for free which seems like you were a little bit of ahead of your time in terms of that. What inspired you to do that? Well, there was no way that I knew of to monetize at the time, Mary. So <laughs> that's the reason why I didn't monetize. I didn't know it was a thing as monetizing content at that time. And if there was, it wasn't an easy like 
plug and play thing. This was back when you had to have a like a merchant account and you had to get with a bank. And I didn't know how to do any of that. So and I also didn't have anything to sell. That's also very important. So at the time in 2005, I put the video up on YouTube for me. I wasn't putting it up because I was trying to entertain, inform, educate an audience. I put the video up because I had a VHS tape. And if you leave that tape in the sun or it gets wet or you lose it, it's gone. So I said, let me put it on the Internet because the Internet won't disappear, hopefully. And then I put it on YouTube because YouTube seemed like it was going to be around. I also put the video on. A lot of people don't remember this site. Google Video. You remember Google Video? I do not. Yeah. See, nobody remembers Google Video. So Google, (laughs) before they purchased YouTube, they tried to compete with YouTube. They had their own platform called Google Video. But I have maybe my first 50 videos. All 50 were on YouTube and they were on Google Video at the same time. And then Google Video announced we're shutting down Google Video because they had just bought YouTube. So because they realized they weren't going to beat YouTube. So YouTube was winning. So I'll put the video on YouTube really just for myself. I just wanted to see what I look like playing basketball. Because, again, you got to remember, we come from the VHS era where a lot of times you will play and somebody taped it, but you couldn't find the tape. Who has the tape? Right. So my college coaches, when I graduated, I knew that a lot of the scouts overseas in pro ball wanted to see, let's see some footage of you playing. I couldn't find the footage. I'm calling my college coaches. I'm calling the teams we played against. Like, hey, do you have the tape from this game on this date? And they're like, well, we had the tape, but we don't have it anymore. My player has it. I gave it to this guy. Nobody knew where the tape was. So this is, again, nowadays you play one game, everybody can see the tape. Back then, you had to find the tape. If you didn't have the tape, you didn't have it. You didn't have the footage. Out of luck. Right. So I had no footage from my whole college career. Zero. I can't show you one game of me playing in college. I have none of the footage. So when it came to YouTube, I was just putting the videos up for myself. I just wanted to see myself playing basketball. Do I look the way I think I look on the court? And then the people who were stumbling across my footage on YouTube, they would leave comments and they would say, well, who are you? Where do you play? Who taught you? Because they could see that I knew what I was doing. They could see like this guy can mm-hmm. play, but who is he? Who's Dre Baldwin? Never heard of me. I wasn't on TV or anything. So they're like, who is this guy? And the difference between me and let's say Kobe, they probably want to learn from Kobe more than me, but Kobe wasn't on YouTube putting videos out for free, right? And Kobe right. was responding to their comments. So here's this guy who looks like he can play. He looks like he knows what he's doing and he's talking to me. All right, let's find out who he is. So as I saw that they were responding, immediately the light bulb went off in my mind, Larry, that this is an underserved audience. And these players are exactly who I was. They're just 10 years younger than me. They want to learn how to play basketball, but there's nobody to teach them. So they're going on the internet to crowdsource knowledge. You know, the era I come from, I was growing up in the 90s. We couldn't crowdsource knowledge from anywhere. Either you knew somebody or you knew nothing. That was it. So now they could go to the internet. And I said, oh, they want to learn basketball and I'm doing this. Okay, let me just keep doing it. So I just took the little $100 camera I had because this is before we had cameras on the phones, right? My little $100 camera and I just took it with me to the gym every day. And Larry, I didn't even have a tripod. I would just put the camera on a bench where I could see the court and I would just let it run the whole time. And I would just do my whole workout. And at the end of the workout, I'll go home, take the little memory card out of the camera. I'll put it in my computer and I would just upload the footage onto uh, like, Windows Movie Maker or something. I'll chop it up a little bit and I would eventually put it out. I wasn't even urgent about putting it out. I would hold footage for weeks before I put it out because who cares about putting a video on YouTube? I wasn't getting anything from it. I would get it out whenever I got around to it. So that's how it started. And then more and more players just kept watching me. And then word of mouth, they would just go and say, hey, you want to learn how to play ball? Go watch, go on YouTube, look at this dude, Dre Baldwin. And my name just started (laughs) to spread. So there was no athlete in any sport putting out how to practice for this sport on the internet 
at that time. So this whole genre, I humbly take credit for creating this genre. <laughs> and that's where it came from. And it wasn't until you asked about the monetization. It wasn't until 2009 that Google, now owners of YouTube, realized, okay, we're going to go broke if we keep paying for all this bandwidth, but we don't make any money. So that's when they started putting the ads on the videos. So people don't notice between 2005 and 2009, you could watch YouTube all day without seeing a single advertisement. Those days are gone. But the good old days. Yeah. Back then you could. You could watch video all day, no ads. So then they started advertising, putting ads on the videos and they would send you a little email. Hey, your video is popular. You want to monetize it? And it started with individual videos. And then around maybe late 2009, they started offering to your whole YouTube account, your whole channel. We'll monetize everything you put up. And because my videos were getting traction, they offered that to me. And that's how it started with the monetization. Now, I'll give you another part of this. Back in 2002, I got invited to a meeting for who wants to make some extra money. I said, I want to make some extra money. Turns out it was a network marketing opportunity. Now, while I didn't stay in network marketing, I am eternally thankful for the concept of network marketing for several reasons. Number one, I have a business degree. When I went to those hotel meetings, Larry, you have been to a network marketing meeting? Yeah, I've sat through those. Right? Yeah, you've been to a few, right? We've all been to at least one or two. When I went to those hotel meetings, Larry, I was hearing things about entrepreneurship that I did not learn in four years of college. And I have a business degree. And I remember the things that these people were saying. I mean, 80% of the meeting is not about the product or the service or whatever the thing. 80% of it is just helping everyday people understand things about business that you were never taught. And I'm like, wow, this is eye-opening. Like, why are they not teaching this at the college that I go to? Right? They're not teaching this. And it made perfect sense to me. So I'm like, Whatever these guys are talking about, it makes sense. Even if I don't stay in network marketing, which I didn't, this makes sense. That was number one. And number two, when the meeting was over, they would always say, hey, when you leave the hotel, the ballroom, there's some ladies sitting at the table outside and they have the personal development books. Make sure you go buy those books, because if you're going to build a business, because, you know, 60 percent of people in the room are already doing the business and 40 percent of us are like the guests. Right. So they're like, if you're going to build a business, you got to build yourself. So make sure you buy those personal development books. And they would name drop these people. Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins. I'm like, who are they? I never heard of these guys ever. I'm 21 years of age. Never heard of this. Never heard of personal development. But I'd always been into human psychology because for those who remember, again, you go back to the 90s. If you went to the bookstore back then, there was no personal development section. It was called human psychology. And it would just be all these books on mindset and thinking, but that's what they call it, human psychology. And I would always go there. When I went to the bookstore, I went to two areas, the sports section and the human psychology. And my mom's a big reader, so she would always go to the bookstore. So I would go with her. So I have to give credit to her as well, since we're talking about this. When I looked at those books, first of all, I couldn't afford them. I could not buy them. I was a broke college kid. When I got back to school, Larry, here's what I did. I went to eBay. We're going back in the day here. So this is before Amazon took over. eBay was the place you bought stuff. So I went to eBay. And I remembered the names of two of those books. One of them was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I bought the 99 high rated version. It was a Word document that somebody just sent me as, as an email attachment. This is how they sold things back in the day. And I bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I remember reading Think and Grow Rich. And I said, wait a minute, there's a process to where you can consciously and on purpose talk to yourself and program your brain to become a certain type of person. I said, this is the kind of material I've been looking for my whole life and didn't even know I was looking for it. That's how I knew personal development was my future. That was number one. And number two, when I read Kiyosaki, I said, whatever this guy's talking about, when I get out of college, I'm going to play basketball. I knew that was my first thing. But when I get done with basketball, whatever he's talking about, I'm going to do that. That was entrepreneurship. So 
In 2009, when my phone wasn't ringing, answering your question here, I just finished reading kind of like the digital person's version of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. He was talking similar principles to Kiyosaki, but it was for people doing it on the internet. He was the first person I ever heard talk about, you can hire somebody in India or the Philippines to work for you, and you can just explain to them what to do, and you can delegate. And I said, I have the communication skills. I can do that. I can hire somebody in the Philippines to work for me. And he started explaining it. I said, I'm going to do this. And he talked about how you can make your own products on his blog because Tim's blog was really popular before his books. And Mm -hmm. he talked about how to create your own product and how to test it. And I'll give you this one last thing. So he talked about how you test out a product. So this is how I actually became a bona fide entrepreneur. He said, go to this website called Weebly, which I believe still exists. You get this free hosting platform, free hosting. You get a one page website. All you do is you decide what the name of your product is, put the name of the product, put a little paragraph about what it does. And then you put a button that says, buy this product for whatever your price is going to be. And then here's what you do. You go to Google AdWords and you put $5 in your AdWords account and you run ads to the targeted keyword for that product. I got basketball audience. So I get the target keyword for like basketball training and I put $5 on it. And Tim said, run ads to it for like two days and people will come to your website. If they click on that button, don't sell the product. Just put a little page that says this product is under construction. If you would like to buy it, put your email address in. We'll email you when it's ready. And he said, if you get people who don't know you, random people off the Internet who searched, clicking on that button and putting in their email address, you have a viable product. Go make it and sell it. I did that. Now, a caveat to everybody listening, you cannot do this with $5 today. It's probably be 50 or $5. <laughs> right. Right. Back then, it was $5. I did it with five dollars and people started my program is called Simple to Advanced Ball Handling. It was one for ball handling, it was one for shooting. Four dollars and ninety-nine cents a piece. People were putting their email addresses in of my five dollars in ads. I went and made both programs. I went on YouTube to my active audience and said, Hey, I made this program called Who Can Book. You can go to this website and buy the program, four dollars and ninety-nine cents. The first night I put that video out, I made a sale. I had a Blackberry phone. Did you ever have the Blackberries, Barry? I had a Palm Pilot. Okay, right. Similar thing. So I had the Blackberry and a little red light bulb blink when you got an email. And I got an email that night that said, congratulations, you made a sale, $4.99. When I made that sale, Larry, I said, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Because what I had just done was I had taken an idea out of my head, turned it into a real thing, and converted it into money. What I had done was what we now call intellectual property. Right. I didn't know that phrase at the time. But that's how I got started monetizing. Long answer to a short question. I want to talk about work on your game real quick. What are the four main principles of work on your game? Sure. So it's the discipline of showing up every day to do the work, confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, the mental toughness to keep showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve is late to the party, and the personal initiative to go make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. Yeah, And I would imagine, right, Dre, those are applicable across the board, really, whether or not you want to be a professional athlete, you want to be the best. Well, I guess Bally's total fitness isn't around anymore. But if you want to be the best at sales of gym memberships or you want to be the best entrepreneur, those are really the same principles. The same four principles really apply across the board, would you say? Oh, absolutely. They apply in everything. That's why they're the foundation of what we do. What do you think? What is the best way? I mean, we talked about discipline earlier, right? Because a lot of people get in these mindsets where or habits that really aren't beneficial to them. What's the best way for somebody to break out of those old bad mindsets or habits and break into new ones that are going to be hugely beneficial to them? Best way to break out of those old mindsets is you got to get out of your old habits. You got to get out of your old routines. And the best way to do that, I really suggest to people is you got to be taking in something other than what you've been taking in. Again, like me, 
I went to those meetings and they said, get those books. And I started reading those books. And I said, these guys have a different perspective. They're saying something I haven't heard before in this way. What they're talking about, success, everybody wants that. But how do you get to it? Well, let's talk about your mindset. Let's talk about your actions. Let's talk about what you believe to be true that is not actually true, which is what they did at those hotel meetings. They break your false beliefs. So that's what people need to do is start consuming some material that's off the beaten path of what you personally have been doing up to this point in your life if you are not liking the results that you're getting. So that's where it starts. And I guess if you're liking the results, you just double down on what you're doing, right? Just that's do right. more of it. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to work on yourself, whether that's reading or consuming or watching good stuff, right? Garbage in, garbage out, good stuff in, good stuff out. I, I think that's fairly rings true. So listen, you've had an incredible journey, right? And Looking back on it, what advice would you give to your younger self knowing now what you know now? Number one is get into personal development as early as possible. I wish I got into it when I was old enough to read, period, let alone as a college student. So that'd be number one. Number two is change your default settings. And this is something I've been talking to my audiences a lot lately is default setting most human beings have, Larry, is slow and later. We need to change that to fast and now. Many people just are way too slow. They have no sense of urgency and they put things off as if they have unlimited time. When all of us know on a conscious level, we don't have unlimited time and we don't have until later to do things. We need to do things now. And if we just consciously pushed ourselves to do that, we would get a lot more done in a lot less time and probably live a lot more life in the process. Yeah, great points. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on those. So listen, Dre, we've left our listeners with a lot of great nuggets here, a lot to think about. This is the Midland Money Mindset. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question we ask each of our guests, which is, you're all about joy here. So it's, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I start my day with, uh, I have a routine of what I do every single morning up until my work day starts with my meeting with my assistant. So that's yoga, water, meditation, exercise, getting myself dressed and I'm ready to go. That takes up like the first four hours of my day is all stuff that I do for, I guess what we call it now, self-care. But that's the workouts, the yoga, the water, the meditation, all of that stuff. That's all for me. So that brings me joy and it gets me in the right frame of mind. Great stuff and sounds like a great way to start the day. Listen, we're going to have all of your information, Dre, in the show notes. But if people want to learn more about you, learn more about work on your game, what's the easiest and the best place for them to do that? So I send out a daily motivation text every morning. It's guaranteed to have you focused, sharp, and on point to start the day. So if you just text me at 305-384-6894, every day when that message goes out, you'll be getting it straight to your phone free of charge. And of course, I got a bunch of websites and landing pages, and I'm on all the social media. So anybody wants to know which one, just pick your favorite one, put my name in. I'm on all of them. We're active on all of them. And when you get into my text community, you know we're going to text you. So you'll know about everything we got going on. Amazing. And what's better than getting a little daily motivation to your phone, right? That's you're, right. you're on it. Exactly. All the people are on it so much anyway. Might as well get the motivation there exactly. while you're while you're looking. That's right. So I, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. It's a great one at that. And make sure you enjoy the day. I appreciate it, Larry. Thank you for sharing your platform. I appreciate the opportunity. I want to thank Dre Baldwin for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Dre's path has not been a straight line, and there have been many places along the way he could have packed it in and given up, but he didn't. The mindset and systems he has set up for himself led him to success. 
Now Dre is using what he learned from his personal experiences to help countless entrepreneurs create what is needed for them to be successful too. Dre Baldwin and Work On Your Game can be found across most social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content, and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.